Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read all the way through verse 20. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Got several things I want to share with you this morning as we walk through the birth narrative of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, here's the first I want you to understand. According to this text, the good news is for everyone, including you. The good news is for everyone, and including you. Uh, verse 10 and 11, the angel of the Lord is speaking and says, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy for all people. This is the birth announcement of Christ. It's very unlike our own, right? Because we send out birth announcements and they've got adorable little pictures of children that are squunched up in, 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 in poses that make all their chunkiness stick out. And they're usually, you know, half naked. And we're like, oh, they're so cute. And then we put like their little birth footprints on it. And we say, you know, celebrating God's great gift to us. And then we list our child's name. But the birth announcement of Jesus is much different. It's not a postcard. It's an angelic announcement that says, not look at my blessing, but look at your blessing. Behold your blessing. Look at what God has done for you. Look how much he loves you. Look how much he loves us. Today, God has become flesh. He has become Savior. And this is very good news. And this very good news 
is for everyone. For everyone. And, and that truth, the truth of this text, has to penetrate our, our years of religious plaque buildup, doesn't it? Because, because somewhere along the way, though we, we understand the Bible and we know much of it, it seems like the truth of it um, just kind of gets on the surface of us sometimes. And, and this truth that the good news is for all of the people has to change us. So we talked about how our, our mission, our purpose has changed. Loving God and loving people and doing something. That second point, loving people, we believe that we were obligated by Scripture to love people. And when we talked about that, I shared this point with you, this, this principle that I think is worthy of bringing up. We probably bring it up here quite a bit over the next several months. And it's just that loving people means that we act more like ushers than bouncers. Right? Jesus was constantly ushering people into his presence it was the disciples that were trying to screen out the, the foul and, 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 and the vagrants. I mean, it was the disciples that were constantly trying to hold people back. And Jesus was saying, no, let the children come to me. No, I, I want to go eat at that tax collector's house. Jesus was always ushering people into his presence. And, 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 and so we, we just said that uh, we have to be that same way. And so I made this statement, and it's not written down anywhere. But I made it when I preached this, this point. And so I want, to, I want to write it down for you, just so you know, one of those things that has to become stone for us. And here it is. Just so you know, there is no one in our city that is off limits to invite to church. That's, that's what texts like this mean. When you understand that the gospel is for everyone, it has to change your mindset to the point that you understand that there is no one that is off limits for you to invite to church. Uh, we have to believe that Jesus is bigger than any sin problem our neighbors might have. We've got to believe that wholeheartedly. So the good news is for everyone. Now as of Wednesday, that was the point. The good news was for, for everyone. And I sat down to write the first point, the good news is for everyone, and uh, felt like the Holy Spirit was uh, leading me uh, to, to verse 11. And, uh, and I read verse 11 again, and, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just pointed this out. Ready? Uh, verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And you see, this is what I felt like he was saying to me, and maybe it, it speaks to you as well. It's real easy for me to believe that the gospel is for everyone else. It's real simple for me to believe that God's love is for everyone else. You know, that God's love is for the good people. You know, God's love is for the people basically that are better than me. God's love and his acceptance and his forgiveness and his grace is for people that get it better than I do. People that don't fall like I have. People that don't have the same past that I share, right? So the gospel is for everyone else. And, 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 and I'll be honest though, I know somewhere in my mind the gospel is for me. My heart acts a very different way towards God. And so often I feel like the love of God is just for other people. Jesus died for the good people. And week after week I hear the same thing in your conversations as you share your hearts. I hear shame. I hear hurt. I hear a group of people that know their sins all too well. What they don't know is the love of their Savior. <laughs> Because the good news is this. Jesus knew exactly what he was getting when he died for you. You did not surprise him 
He did not die on the cross and give himself up for your sake only to say, oh my gosh, I can't believe that that, he would go off and do that after all that I've done. You don't surprise God in your waywardness and, and your constant wandering. God knew exactly who you were and this is why Jesus came. He knew that you needed him and so he came to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. He came to live the perfect life that you couldn't. He came to die the sacrificial death that you needed. He came to cover your sinful life with his perfect one to make you holy and to restore your relationship with him. And this is the gospel. This is the good news. And it is very good. It is for everyone, including you. So my challenge to you would be to accept it. And you say, well, I'm I'm a Christian. I've, I've accepted the gospel. Have you really? Do you know how many Christians I know that are still shackled by shame and doubt? They're not productive for the kingdom. They they, they can't ever do what Paul says, which is forgetting what is behind me. I press on towards the goal. They, they, They say that they know Jesus. They say that they've given their life to Jesus, but they are shackled with what is behind them because somehow, though they have received the gospel or the good news, they have forgotten that it is for them as well. Don't forget, the good news is for everyone, including you. Including you, it's a big deal. Number two, look at this with me. Um, when, when sinners learn there is a Savior, um, they can't keep silent. When sinners learn that there is a Savior, they cannot keep silent. I want you to notice who the angels appear to. It's kind of interesting. The angels didn't show up to the religious rulers. Did you notice that? They didn't appear in the temple courts. That's not where they appeared. They appeared out in the field to the shepherds. That's who they appeared to. Now, now in our day and age, we have really kind of romanticized the thought of a shepherd because as Christians, we follow Jesus and he's the good shepherd. And we go, well, well, shepherd's a good thing. Well, there's a reason that Jesus uses that title, good shepherd, because most shepherds in his day were not thought of as good people. And in fact, pretty much the opposite. Shepherds in Jesus' day, um, when, when Luke is, is still penning these words, shepherds uh, were not thought of as good people. They were uh, notoriously dishonest. They were often thought of as unclean, considered outcasts and, and sinners. That's who shepherds were. And it is to these people, it is to the outcasts, to the dishonest, to the sinners that God chooses to deliver his birth announcement, the Savior is here. So, so God comes, and he doesn't come to the people that are full of their religious knowledge. He doesn't come to the people that are full of themselves. He comes to the people that know that they need a Savior. You see, the religious folks were so full of themselves that there was no room in their lives, just like there was no room in the end. And so God, with this great message of salvation and redemption, doesn't come to the religious and the self-righteous. He appears to the sinners that know that they are sinners. And he says, I have great news for you. The one that will carry your sin has been born. The one that will carry your sin has been born. And this is what I want you to see. Because the shepherds were aware of their sin, because they were aware of their, their, their need, just, just follow me through the result. I want you to see what happens when people who know that they need a Savior hear that there's a Savior available. I want you to see what happens. Verse 17 and 18, it says, when they had seen him. 
<laughs> when, when they figured out that there was a Savior available to people like themselves, when, when they figured out there was a Savior that was coming to save sinners, verse 17, when they had seen Him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. When they saw him, they couldn't be silent. Friends, that's what happens when sinners see that there is a Savior. They can't keep silent. They just can't. Friends, I would challenge you, if you find yourself pretty silent in your own Christian walk, it may be because you've forgotten your sin. Because the good news is the fact that there's a Savior for sinners. And if we ever forget that we're sinners, then we don't really have good news to share, do we? If we think that we've got it all handled and we think that we're good enough, boy, doesn't that sound a whole lot like the Pharisees? Jesus didn't show up. The angels didn't appear to them. He appeared to the sinners in the field. And when the sinners in the field heard that there was a Savior, they couldn't shut up about it. They couldn't be silent. Might that be said of us? Number three. Did you see this with me? The kingdom of God is built on humility, not pride. The kingdom of God is built on humility, not pride. Now, I said when we began this series that Luke, in my opinion, is, is the best storyteller in all of the Bible. And, uh, and he's, just a, he's a gifted and he's a talented writer. And, and you've kind of got to see what he's setting up. And, and it's kind of hard because we, uh, we weren't part of the original audience. And so we miss things all the time. And one of the things that we miss is how he sets up the birth of Jesus in the very first sentence of chapter 2. Okay, And here's how he sets up. Very first verse of chapter 2, he says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. Now, that means nothing to us because we don't really know who Caesar Augustus is. But Caesar Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. Okay, remember the Etu Brute, Julius Caesar guy stabbed in the back, uh, right? Okay, so, so Augustus, after Julius died, um, he eventually took over um, reign of the Roman Empire. It was a very violent kind of takeover. And, uh, and he took, at, what would, at one time, it wasn't the empire at that time, he took the Roman Republic and he turned it into the Roman Empire. Augustus expanded uh, Rome's influence for miles and miles and miles and miles. He boldly proclaimed, once it became the Roman Empire, that he had brought peace to the whole world. This is why when Luke writes part two of the gospel, he sees the gospel going to Rome as it reaching the ends of the earth. The Roman Empire is this big. And, and, and so you've got to see uh, this foreshadowing that, that Jesus is born, and look who is the king. It's this guy named Augustus. Now here's the deal with Augustus. When he gets this powerful, he declares some things. And one of the things that he declares is that his dead adopted dad, Julius, is divine. He declares that Julius Caesar was God, which would then make him the son of God. And so Augustus openly declared that he was the son of God. 
And, 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 and Luke understood that, and the original audience understood that, and what's just a small pinstroke for us that we don't understand is actually Luke weaving this great juxtaposition of two kingdoms. So there is a Roman kingdom, and, and sitting on its throne is a self-declared son of God who, who wields great power, and then here in the shadow of that power, in the shadow of that great earthly kingdom, another kingdom is founded. And it's founded with another son of God. One that is not born in a palace, but that's born in a stable. One that doesn't brag about his power, but instead lays it aside and becomes a servant. Servant to the point of death, even death on a cross. And we immediately begin to see that this kingdom, this kingdom of God is unlike any other kingdom the world has ever seen. This is the narrative, this is the story, this is the gospel unfolding before us. This kingdom's not built upon pride. It's built upon bridled power. It's, it's called meekness. It's built upon humility and service. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. Now, some people looking for a certain type of kingdom, they miss the kingdom of God because they couldn't wrap their minds around the fact that this kingdom was a kingdom of service and humility. All right? Lastly, I just want you to see this in the text. You've heard this point before, many of you, but here it is again. If you focus on the sign, you will miss the Savior. If you focus on the sign, you'll miss the Savior. Verse 12, angel speaking, says, This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Taught this principle when we were walking through the book of Acts, and we are talking about Simon the sorcerer shared with you a little story that John Piper tells about a mom uh, with, her, with her young child, infant, one-year-old-ish, and, uh, and there's a bird outside the window. And, and mom wants to grab the young toddler's attention and, and is pointing, hey, look, look outside. Look, see the bird? Look how pretty it is. See its red colors? Look, 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 look. And, and, and the toddler is fixated on mom because mom is so excited and mom is pointing. And so, so the, the child staring at mom then begins to point too. <laughs> now, the, the child has no idea that there is a bird outside the window, but can very well mimic mom. Is caught up in the pointing finger and in the sign. Completely misses the point. Completely misses the bird. And guys, we are so much that way. It is so easy for us to get caught up in the signs and to miss the Savior. And, and much of the, our Christmas songs that we'll sing soon will all be about a little manger, won't they? But guess what? They're not about the manger. They're about the one lying in the manger that is going to grow up and live a perfect life and die a sacrificial death in your place that you might uh, be reconciled to God again. So that's who they point to. All signs kind of point in, in a direction. I want you to notice what doesn't happen in our text. The shepherds don't run and find Mary and Joseph and then walk away talking about the manger. Did you notice that? They, they, don't, they don't show up and then walk away and go, oh my gosh, did you see the construction of that manger? I think it was olive. No, I'm pretty sure it was teak. No, no, it was olive. And, and I'm pretty sure that, that uh, you know, they, they, they used a tongue and groove system there. And, and uh, you know, I, they, don't, they don't talk about that. 
They don't walk around and say, well, I can't believe they left hay in that thing. Surely they could have padded that with some wool instead. This isn't the message that they leave talking about. They, they leave talking about the one who is in the manger, the one that the angels declared would come, the Messiah that's come to save all of mankind. And too often, friends, we, we get stuck talking about the signs instead. We leave church talking about uh, the music that we liked or we didn't like, the, the songs, right? We, we, we talk about uh, uh, whether we liked the pastor's message or not or, or how we all felt like he was looking right at us. We, 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 we talk about our Sunday school lesson or, or whether the coffee was too weak or too strong or, or how many crickets we counted in the hallway or whether or not there was mud or all the toilets were flooded. Hear me, if you're looking for signs, you will find signs because we are in the sign business, right? That's what we do is we, we, we fashion signs all week. But all of those signs point to one source and his name is Jesus. So if you come here looking for signs, buddy, you will find signs. And, and, and you will probably be disappointed in those signs because we're not great sign makers. We're, we're flawed. We are failures. But all of our signs point to one source. And if you come here looking for signs, you will find signs. But I'll tell you this, if you're coming looking for signs, not, not only will you find our, our faults and our failures, but if you come looking for signs, you'll walk away and you will have missed the Savior altogether. You will have missed the Savior altogether. Friends, we've got to stop leaving this place and going out to eat and talking about what we liked and what we didn't like. Because all that we do is just a sign. We've got to start leaving this place talking about the Savior, Jesus, and His love and His grace and His mercy for sinners like us. That's where we've got to get. And if, if we come here and do anything other than that, we've missed the point completely and entirely. That's what church is about. And if we sing the greatest songs known to man, and I preach the happiest Joel Osteen sermon you've ever heard, and you walk out feeling so great about yourself and skipping a little doodah, and you didn't meet Jesus, and you didn't walk away and say not, oh, I feel so great about me, but I feel so great about him then we have done God a disservice. Then you have missed the mark. Don't leave talking about the construction of the manger. Don't leave talking and discussing what kind of wood it's made out of, what type of construction method they used. None of that matters. Focus on the Savior, the one that the sign points to, the Messiah. Because he and he alone is the message, all right? So what do we, um, what do, we do with that? Uh, so you've got this, this purpose here, love God, love people, do something. I'm going to give you some application along those lines. Uh, this week, first and foremost, I want to try to help you love God. Uh, I'm not awesome at it. I'm trying. So, uh, so let me give you, you one uh, point that might help you as it's trying to help me. Uh, I challenge you this week, first and foremost, stop staring at the signs. Just stop it. Stop staring at the signs and just look to the Savior, right? We have a whole lot of Christianese speaking signs that we, we post all the time. Uh, there's certain ways you got to do it. You know, some people say, well, your quiet time, uh, it's got to be a quiet time. It can't be like a prayer time or a, 
or a coffee sit in my favorite chair. It's got to be, it's got to have a name, right? And it needs to be X amount of time, and you need to, you need to do it this way or do it that way. None of that matters. Did you spend time with Jesus? Did you? Have you spent time, are you spending time with the Lord? Are you, are you thinking about him? Are you talking to him? Are you, are you spending time with him? Are you focused on his stuff and not your stuff? Right? So I, I want to change, stop, stop, stop looking at the signs. This may cause you to have to like get off of Facebook, right? I mean, you might have to do it. Good golly, what happened to Christians in the world? Have you ever met a group of people that are more concerned with signs ever? Every Christian is afraid that if the, if the election doesn't go right, the right way, America's going to hell. You know? If, if, oh my gosh, if, if, uh, if Obama passes an executive order and we don't have guns, we're all going to hell. No, listen, without Christ... We're all going to hell. That's all that matters. There's, a safe, there's one coming to set all things right. All of them. He's going to reset every political system. Every king will bow. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Like, you need to know him. That's what matters. The rest of it's junk. So stop spreading junk. Our world is full of junk. Full of people that are consumed with the signs. Jesus says, I tell you, you're not going to know the day or the hour. So we don't know when Jesus is coming back. And yeah, there are signs in the Bible. And you can either spend your life focused on the signs, or you could be so in tune with the Savior that when he does call, you're ready. Which group would you rather be in? Stop focusing on the signs. Start spending time with the Savior. Here's what's going to happen to you naturally. It's crazy. Your Facebook posts are going to look a lot less critical and political. They're going to look a lot more loving. Your speech is going to be more gracious. You're going to invite people that look very different from you into your home, into your life. Those things are going to be a natural outflow of it. Stop looking at the signs, okay? Number two, uh, so that's how to love God. Um, One that would help you maybe love people. Ready? Um, usher people into the gospel of Luke. And the gospel story is for everyone, including you. And our, our goal is to be ushers, not to be bouncers. And uh, guys, I, f- I fail miserably. Uh, I, do, I do it all the time. I'm, I'm still a work in progress. I've shared that with you guys. Uh, when I tell you you've got to learn your neighbor's names, I'm still learning people's names. Uh, and, 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 and I'm not great at it. And I'll be honest with you, there, there is, there's an insecurity. Everybody sees my upfront persona and thinks that, I, man, Jason's just always a go-getter. If I was in a room of 100 people I didn't know, and if I didn't have to speak there, I'd be totally comfortable in the corner. And people can't believe that about me. My wife thinks that's crazy. It's absolutely true. I'd be okay with that. We've got to be willing to get out of our comfort zone. I'm thankful for God's um, gracious reminder of that. We've got to usher people uh, into this gospel story of Luke. It's a great time. <clears throat> Actually, uh, as we seek to do something, um, once you do this, uh, if you have a smartphone, would you pull it out for me? Go ahead, pull it out now. Yeah, it's okay. Smartphones in church are okay. I want to say that to all of our ushers. If you see somebody on a smartphone, don't get on to them. It's okay. We have Bibles on smartphones now. We take notes on smartphones now. So if you see an iPad now, if they're playing Tetris, okay, that's, then we can talk about it. But typically, they're not doing that. So I'm cool with smartphones. So I want you to grab your smartphone. I want you to open up the calendar app, okay? Here's number three. I want you to make room for Jesus. 
Uh, we're reading this uh, book in our small group called Simplify. It's kind of kicking me in the face. Uh, and so I thought I'd kick you in the face too. So uh, here we go. And chapter two was all about our calendars. So I want you to open your calendar app. And here is what was said there that really I think is transforming. Ready? Just If you peruse over your calendar, most of you, your calendar is full of the things you have to do. Correct? Right? Calendar is full of stuff I got to do. It's this appointment, it's that appointment. Okay, wait, everybody look at me for a second before you, stop, stop perusing the calendar now. See, it's addictive, isn't it? All right, so now, look at me. I'm, you're going to get your cell phone back out in a second. Okay, what if your calendar is not supposed to be about what you have to do, but what if it should be about who you want to be? How different would that make your calendar look? What if you want to be a better spouse? It's going to take some time and effort, right? So, why is that not on your calendar? I want to be a better person. I hear that from everybody. Well, I've got an answer for that. His name is Jesus. You should hang out with him. He naturally makes you a better person. Okay? But guess what? You have to put him on your calendar. So here's my challenge. Pull him out right now. You're 830 service people for the most part. Now, if you're one of those people that you flip back and forth between 830, it's cool. On your calendar right now. Right now. Click on Sunday. Okay? That's today. Okay? You're going to add an appointment, ready? You're going to add an 8.30 appointment right now. Come on, add an 8.30, okay? And you're going to write, worship Jesus. You can put church, whatever you want to, but Jesus time, 8.30 Sunday morning, okay? We're clicking, right? When, when you kind of get, the, get it all typed in, you can look up at me like, hey, I'm, I'm there, okay? So I'm typing it in, I'm putting it on my calendar, okay? Now you've got you've to scroll down to the bottom now, and here's the deal. You have to repeat this event, you can repeat it once a week. So I want you to repeat it once a week. Now, there's one other option before you hit save and close. Now I want you to set a reminder for it. So you set the event, 8.30. It is church. It is happening every week, all right? And then you set a reminder for one hour before. If you need two hours, set it two hours before, whatever you got to do. I can roll out of bed and get here if I have to. I live four houses down. But I want you to set your reminder Okay, and then you hit save, and now your phone, it's gonna, it, it, you've now made room for Jesus. You've done it, okay? But we're not done yet. Pull your phone back out. <laughs> okay, ready? Well, you got the calendar app open. I want you to go to tomorrow. Tomorrow. All right. This one's a little harder, but on, on Monday, same thing. I want you to set an appointment. Ready? So set an appointment, click on Monday. And now here's the deal. This time's going to be different for everybody. You need a time when your house is quiet. You have 52 kids, you know that's early, okay? Maybe it's when you get them all off at school. Whatever the time is that you can have a little quiet time, whatever, whatever time that is that the house is quiet. So I want you to punch in that time, okay? For me, it is 6 o'clock. I cannot do it any later than 6 o'clock. I've tried it, can't, can't happen. I, I prefer 5.50, but right now it's dark outside and 5.50 is kicking me in the teeth. So that extra 10 minutes makes me feel like I won that day. Okay, so you set it. Now, here's the deal. Same, same thing. I need, you to, I need you to repeat it, and here's how, how long I want you to repeat it. I want you to repeat it uh, every day, and then you go out, till, uh, go out till the end of the, it should really be longer than, try to do it 21 days if you can do 21 days, okay? You, if, if you want to randomly pick, I mean, you could do it a month from now. That's 30 days. That's fine. Here's the deal, 21 days, we've got to do something 21 times before it actually becomes habitual for us. 
Okay, so you're going to set a time. Now, what are you going to title that? I, I like, just call it, uh, I love our book called it Chair Time. It's my chair time with God. And, and he gets up and he gets his coffee and he sits in the same chair every morning. And he just talks to God and he may have his Bible open. He might have his prayer journal. But it, it's just 15 minutes. 15 minutes, this is how I'm going to start my day. I'm going to pray for my kids. I'm going to pray for my marriage. I'm going to think about Jesus. I'm going to read my Bible for a little bit maybe. And talk to the Lord. 15 minutes chair time, okay? Now here's what you've done. Here's what you've done. Now hit save. Again, you may have to hit a reminder. That might be your alarm clock, by the way. Here's the deal. What you've done is you've just intentionally put on your calendar, not what you have to do, but who you want to be. Who do I want to be? I don't want to be the Pharisee that has no room for Jesus. Like, I don't want to be the real religious person that doesn't make room for Jesus on a daily basis. Don't be that guy, right? Be somebody that intentionally makes room in their busy life to let Jesus have control of them. Amen? Amen. Would you guys pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for calendars. I have not always liked, but I'm getting pretty stoked about. Lord Jesus, we love you. Help us continually to be yours, to make room for you in our lives. Just moving our hearts over the next couple minutes. Ask these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Just a real simple prayer uh, this morning as uh, Al comes and prays uh, or plays. I just, um, here it is, it's just super simple. I just, I want you to, to, to just pray this very simple prayer on your own, kind of by yourself. Uh, and, and, and the prayer is, it, it's one of those things that any of us can do at any time. It's just this, ready? Just kind of bow your head and just pray this prayer with me this morning. This is our time of invitation. And maybe, maybe, may, and we're going to open it because cause when you pray, God may say, hey, I want you to go talk with a pastor. I want you to come. Uh, up here and pray. I want you to find somebody to pray with. But here's the very simple prayer you're going to pray. Ready? God, uh, how are you speaking to me right now? That's it. Just God, how are you speaking to me right now? And maybe he's talking to you about the fact that you're not making enough room in your life for him. And, and so, so uh, that's your point of discussion. And that, that's awesome. Maybe he's going to talk to you about the fact that you're not allowing him to love you. <laughs> you, you you've got caught up in, in some cycle of shame. And you haven't been able to let go of the past. You're not believing that the good news is for everyone, including you, right? So maybe you need to do that. Maybe he's going to put on your heart the name of some people that you need to invite into the gospel story. And uh, that's fine too. But just, just pray that little simple prayer just for a couple minutes. God, how are you speaking to me? And we'll just let the Lord move as he seems fit this morning.